Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God and together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, welcome, friends, to Praying for America. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. Great to have you with us, as always. And as you can see, we have a guest this evening, longtime collaborator and friend Tim Gagline, Vice President of Focus on the Family. Tim. What a joy to have you with us. Great to be with you. You know, we'll start with prayer and scripture, but I was reflecting just today. We started working together on elections 25 years ago. It's amazing, the sands I, of time. I, unbelievable. It goes unbelievable. fast. We're going to encourage our, our viewers who are just Christian patriots from across the country to really be engaged in this year's elections and the importance of that. So, so important. We're going to get to what Jesus said about all of this. Uh, and friends, we're going to go to Matthew 22, familiar passage when it comes to our citizenship. Starting with verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Let us pray. Father, you entrust us with a stewardship. You give us life in this world. You give us freedom. And you give us the great nation that that has been handed down to us, a, a nation that allows us to serve you in freedom, that allows us to raise and educate our families and and just to, to live our lives and to serve one another and to serve you. We ask you, Lord, that as we engage in the elections of 2024, Uh, Your people may render to you what is yours and may also exercise their political responsibility uh, in this world. Enable us, Lord, to act wisely, to defend the great gifts that you have entrusted to our care, starting with life, continuing with freedom and all the treasures that we have. May this election help us to preserve these goods and serve you faithfully. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So um, we are in the midst of the 2024 elections. What I wanted to ask you first of all is, um, what's different about this election? There's a sense among the among the faithful, especially people of faith, there's something radically different going on here. Well, let me just say, I think the typical thing is to say we've never been more polarized than we are now. Uh, and, and that's a refrain that you and I hear a lot, mm. especially uh, inside the Beltway where I live and work. Uh, but I don't think it's the case. Uh, I, you know, the American Revolution 
one third of the Americans at the time. Uh, they were, uh, you know, for the revolution. Mm. One third were for the British. One third were totally indifferent. Mm. Two thirds are indifferent or for the British. That's called uh, polarization. Right, <laughs> right. Major polarization. Yes. Uh, we, we forget about the 1850s. I mean, mm. before the Civil War, the battle over the nullification. We call it the nullification crisis. You know, did the Constitution mean what it said? Mm -hmm. uh, major polarization. The, the, the Civil War, you know, uh, 650,000 Americans lost their lives. Uh, a president was murdered on Good Friday. I think that's called polarization. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if Abraham Lincoln had lost his reelection in 1864, I think it's quite possible that we would have been one or two or even three nations. Mm -hmm. uh, the moral and social revolution of the 60s and 70s major polarization, right? Vietnam, the resignation of Richard Nixon. You know, these are major Grand Canyon-sized chasms, right, yes, yes. Uh, in our nation's history. So I don't think we're more polarized than we've ever been. But I do think that the, that the unbridgeable chasms are there. I do think that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, that it is less a question of democracy and it is more a question of which issues will prevail in 2024. And I think, for purposes of our conversation, I think that the largest unstated issue uh, is, is, is connected. And I think it is the future of the Supreme Court mm -hmm. and the federal courts, and then the question of the, the, the members on the court and their ages. I think we forget that uh, Justice Thomas has been on the court for 32 years, and he's yeah. 75 years old. 75, right. Yes, right. Uh, Justice Alito, uh, the author of the, of the great Dobbs decision, yes. right, uh, yeah. overturning uh, Roe against Wade, is in his 70s. And a number of the uh, members of the court are older than we think. Mm -hmm. uh, one last thing, if I may. Donald Trump was only there four years, but he nominated and had confirmed over 200 federal judges. I mean, despite the day-to-day -day battles that, that, that we watch in Washington and far beyond the Beltway, that is a gigantic legacy, Yeah. right? Yeah. And of course, uh, President Biden, uh, is his numbers, uh, you know, after uh, three plus years are, are behind President Trump, but he's working overtime to catch up. Yeah. So, so I think that the basis of the polarization is, the, is, the, is, is, is a, an aggressive uh, spiritual recession, right? An aggressive secularization. But I think it's tied in part to some, to some of these issues. You know, who is a human being? Do human beings get to live or die, mm. uh, you know, under, under American law? And, and, and which uh, president, uh, if he's elected next, uh, will make decisions that either preserve life uh, or preserve death. I mean, I think these are th these issues are as big as the Civil War and the period that came before it. You know, as we were going into the 2020 elections, we would do our, our training seminars. Uh, there would be lots of Q&A, and at the, maybe at, towards the end of the Q&A session, someone would raise a question about election integrity yes. and fraud. And, and, you know, the awareness was there, but it, but it wasn't the first thing on people's minds. For many voters, it's the first thing on their minds going yes, into is. the 2024 election. 
Do you think, is your assessment, that we are better off right now? Are our elections more secure than they were four years ago? And, and what, what should people be thinking when they, when they consider this topic? I uh, am, by nature, low maintenance, but I am anxious, uh, and I think rightfully, on this question. You know, we have seen uh, a trend line over the last 20 years, which I think is very sobering. And that trend line is a almost categorical progressive dominance in all of our major urban areas. And, and they are particularly dominant in what we call the battleground states. Mm -hmm. So even though many of the battleground states have a majority of counties that are ruby red, they are often uh, states or commonwealths with gigantic urban areas that are not purple and they're not red, they're predominantly blue. And I think what happens is that people of goodwill on both sides of the aisle say, can you categorically trust and believe that the elections that are uh, you know, in, the, in those major blue urban areas, can we, can we trust and believe uh, that they are you know, clean as a hound's tooth? And I think rightfully, there is a lot of uh, skepticism on that question. Yeah. So, so to be very direct, I'm anxious. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that particularly in the battleground states, which are blue dominated with big urban areas, yeah. that, 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 that I feel, and many you know, people, I, I, I pray you know, of goodwill, um, I think that our anxiety level rightfully is high, even after coming through uh, those tumultuous moments uh, in 2020. And they were tumultuous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I sometimes talk, you know, we all talk about the mar margins of error. Uh, and I, I often talk about the margins of fraud. You yes. know, that there's going to be fraud. There always has been to a certain extent, always will be. It's just yes. part of human sinfulness. But if people come out, in overwhelming numbers to vote. Yes. And, and I think this year we're going to see the highest turnout ever. You can so do I. Give me your opinion on yes, that, too. Yes, I think yeah. so. But isn't there a point at which, no matter how much fraud there might be, it just cannot match an overwhelming voter turnout? You know something? I share your optimism. I'm an inveterate optimist. You know, even in light of the anxiety that I, that I raised a moment ago. But yes, I think that it, is been, it is now more imperative than ever. That's not a talking point. That's not rhetoric. Mm. I think it is more imperative than ever uh, that people who share our worldview, who share our convictions, have got to go to the polls. Yeah. Uh, and we have got to do everything we can, morally, legally, ethically, uh, to, to push those turnout numbers to record highs. Yeah. I think we're on that trajectory mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. because of, yeah. the, of, the, of the cultural uh, questions we're talking about. Yeah, so exactly. I, 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 I feel good about that. Yeah. On the other hand, may I say that in the world of, of, of politics, and again, whichever side of the aisle, whichever party you're on, but in the world of politics, uh, you know, um, between now and the election, we can say, well, it's just a few months. But in that world, uh, those those days can seem like years. Well, you know, with 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 these kind of devices all over the place, yes. po a political race can change in two minutes. Absolutely right. right. Somebody catches someone Absolutely on a video. Right. Yes. Everything's changed. You know? I think that's right. And mm. may I say, uh, I I do think, and I want to be very specific on this point too, because I think it ties into both of your of your of your questions. Um, I, it seems to me 
that this idea of objective truth, yeah. what is the case, you know, pick out your state, what is the case in Ohio? What is the case in Pennsylvania, Michigan? I think there was a time, and this is not, again, nostalgia, where people could say, objectively, I think I understand where that issue is going. Mm -hmm. I think it is very different now. Uh, I think there are, unfortunately, uh, a number of groups and institutions which actively work to fog or to mystify an otherwise pretty clear-cut issue. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen this, I think, in some of the ballot initiatives on abortion right. uh, in the states. And we're going to see a lot of those in this calendar year. And I think that, that we should rightfully be concerned about that. Yes. Well, friends, for you, for you just joining us, we're joined today by Tim Gagline, Vice President of Focus on the Family. Uh, Tim also served in the George W. Bush White House. You were in the West Wing. We interacted during those years. And uh, you were a great service to uh, the conservative movement, the pro-life movement, liaison Thank you. with the president. Thank you. We always felt we had a, an in. We always felt we had an avenue of Thank communication, you. because we did. Thank so you. we're grateful to you for that. Um, and you're an author, uh, of course. Tell, tell our, our audience about some of your books. Yes. Well, I, I have three books. Uh, the first one is a, is a memoir, The Man in the Middle. Mm. Uh, the second book is about some of the things we're talking about called American Restoration. Uh, and the most recent book uh, is the one that I, that I am most pleased with, which looks at the moral and cultural case for teaching the great American story. And I have a fourth book that is coming out this fall. Oh. Uh, and it is called Road to Utopia. Okay. And, and it is a book that looks at where did the social revolution of the 1960s actually come from right. and what is the direct impact on the cultural uh, moment that we find ourselves in. The best way for people to get your books? I mean, obviously uh, they can just go on Amazon. I, and, uh, yes, and, <laughs> and by God's grace, the books are widely available. Good. Uh, Amazon, uh, I could go on and on, but they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're widely available. And I, I'm particularly pleased with the last two, Father, mm. because I think they fit in very closely with the discussion that we're having. Yes, what we're talking about right now. You know, one of the other things that has uh, uh, shifted besides this whole awareness about election integrity is the awareness of, it's, it's put in different terms, banking the vote, chasing the ballots. And, and I've been very, very strong with our audience about this too, and they, they understand this, which is that, okay, elections are about messaging to a large extent, but along with messaging, we got to pay attention to mechanics. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not, I mean, ultimately, what's counted on election night are not opinions. Not even viewpoints or convictions. Convictions aren't right. counted on election night. Right. Only one thing is counted, ballots. Absolutely. Can you talk to us about some yes. of the mechanics? That, because, I, for example, there's a greater awareness now, uh, and, and I can proudly say, you know, we on these, on these programs and all our election efforts for, for, for decades, we've always stressed early voting. If there's going to be early voting, take advantage of it. Yes. Use it. Do it. Um, but there's more awareness now. I think there's more buy-in now than ever that, hey, let's not let... Just one one party get ahead in the early voting. The others have to catch up in in in, in one election day. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the mechanics. Yeah, I'd like to take a step back, if I may, and talk about the mechanics. I want to go back, if I may, to 2019. I was having uh, a meeting in Washington D.C. and uh, uh, and and it was very interesting. It was actually quite one of the most fascinating meetings I've been in. You and I've been in a lot of meetings, but in this particular meeting. Uh, the briefer was sharing with us that we should erase from our minds the idea that there is an election day, uh, that, there, that there's no more election day. 
Uh, and in this particular briefing, there were about 200 of us, uh, and there was this audible gasp, uh, and, and people were upset. They were uh, sobered. They were uh, disbelieving that there was no such thing as, as Election Day anymore, that mm -hmm. it was an election season. Right. And I remember leaving there after this quite fascinating, important uh, briefing, thinking, oh my gosh, they are so upset about the fact that there's no more election day that, that we're not thinking rightfully as conservatives about what we need to do mm -hmm. in all of the individual cities and states to maximize turnout, the right. mechanics, yeah. not just the strategy, but the tactics. And I must say to you, I, if I live to be a thousand years old, I will never forget that meeting because it turned out to be, unfortunately, a foreshadowing. Yes. I believe that conservatives then and now are behind. There is so much lamentation about the loss of the thing that we all call election day that we have not rightfully paid attention, again, morally, legally, ethically, to all that we need to do in the individual states and commonwealths to maximize turnout right. beginning as right. early as it is morally, legally, and ethically possible to do. Right. And I think, in fact, we need, uh, if there's, if there's one overriding goal, overriding, it is to convince every single voter or potential voter to get out early and do the right thing and do not become hung up on what used to be. Uh, I, I just think that that is a, it's a bad tactic and it's a bad mm -hmm. strategy. I think we, I may have asked you in the past in some of our private conversations uh, if you watched uh, the series West Wing. I did. Because you worked yes. in the West Wing. <laughs> yes. You have a West Wing story you could share with our viewers that could be like a little dose of encouragement? <laughs> I, I, I think it is a, it's a fine series because it captures the energy. It ca I mean, you, can, you come away from even a single episode of the West Wing and you have this sense of, uh, of you know, uh, remarkable energy, vitality. Right. Uh, you know, people are linked arm in arm and you know, you're off to save the world. Uh, I'm very, uh, very happy to say that every moment in the West Wing is not like that. Uh, right. You know, the, well, you told me I think it was much more quiet very in reality. Much. Yes. <laughs> yes in, in, in reality, I, I remember, in fact, a, a colleague of mine whose name you would know saying, "You know, it seems awfully quiet in here this morning." Yeah. Yeah, it does. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but, but on the other hand, uh, though quieter, uh, I do think that the the intellectual energy mm. uh, I think is 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 absolutely there. I mean the West Wing is a small place. Right. I mean geographically, I mean it is a very small place. Right. But but every single day there is no such thing as a minor decision. Every yeah, single yeah, day yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is a major decision and a yeah. series of major decisions right. that impact millions of people. I often came out of meetings uh, in the West Wing, in the Eisenhower Building, which is part of the White House next door, uh, where I principally worked, and I, and I came out of, uh, Father, dozens of meetings, and I would say to myself, uh, those decisions are going to impact untold numbers yes. of people whom I've never met. It's amazing. It, it, it is amazing. Yeah, yes. it really is. Yeah. Well, our time is up for today, but thanks for joining me for this conversation. Blessings on your work. How can people connect with Focus on the Family? You know something? We are a very large presence in social uh, in the social world. Good. You can tap into Focus if it is marriage, family, parenting, yeah. human life, religious liberty, conscience, right, or parental rights. 
uh, on any possible issue, we are uh, a click away. Uh, and we are very eager, uh, as, a, as a very large and substantial ministry, to be of help. Focus on the family, I think, is so great uh, that if it didn't exist, we'd have to create You'd it. You'd have to create yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and I say that with humility and not arrogance, but it really is, as you know, yeah. it has really been a force of nature for good uh, yeah. and has been uh, a very vital presence now uh, in, in six generations of families in yes. America. So, it, you know, it's been around a while. We're very grateful for, to Jim Daly. Thank uh, you. He serves as the president. Thank yes. you. He, is, he, he is a great president. Yes, yes. And, and of course, going way back, I knew Dr. Dobson Indeed. very well from Indeed. the early Indeed. The early days, and we miss Tom Minnery too. Tom was a, yes. a great pillar, a over great man, at, uh, and, we, and, we, and we miss him every day at Focus on the Family. Yes, yes. Well, God bless all these people and Thank you. you. Thank and you. And let's turn Thank to the Lord friend. now again in Thank prayer, you. and all of us, please, uh, friends, join us now as we turn back to God. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for Focus on the Family. We ask you to bless uh, their leadership and to bless Tim and his work. Uh, we like. We ask for furthermore, Lord, for your blessing upon our nation's elections. Activate our fellow believers, our fellow citizens, especially, Lord, send the Holy Spirit right now on those who may not have voted in a long time and help them to see uh, the opportunity they have now to render to Caesar and to render to you, O God, what is due, and that they might see voting as an act of not only obedience to you, O God, but love of their neighbor. Because as they choose their governor, their senator, their president, they are also choosing their neighbors, governor and senator and president. And Lord, may, may our fellow citizens be filled with the zeal uh, to, to make their contribution to this effort and filled with the wisdom that will enable them to choose rightly. We place ourselves in your hands, Lord. We lift up all the intentions of those that are watching and those especially who have expressed their prayer intentions in the comments. And we conclude our time here offering the prayer that Jesus himself has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. On behalf of Tim and myself and all our team at Priests for Life, thanks for watching. Join us again next time, brothers and sisters. And meanwhile, be assured of our prayers. God bless you. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priests for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that. And today, I want to invite you to support our work at Priests for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000.
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.